Father, would you bless us? This okay, the, the, the story from Luke 15, it's a, a universally recognized story, isn't it? It's, um, it's familiar to those of us who are familiar with the Bible, and it's probably familiar to those who have very little understanding of the Bible or are not familiar with it, because it's a, it's a story that every parent uh, would recognize. I suspect that each one of us, at some point, if you are a parent, have lost your children. I, I know that um, uh, the guys who've just had babies can't ever imagine that happening, but it does happen that you actually lose your children at some point. It happens to all of us, uh, you know, the, even the, the, those of us who take such great care not to lose them, we do actually lose them. I, I, we, we, at one point, uh, Lindsay and I went for dinner with some good friends, Ed and Penny, we were having dinner with them, and, and, and we were having lunch with them, and we, we'd arrived as a family, we had our uh, five children with us, we parked the car and we went in for lunch. We'd been in there about half an hour and Lynn said to me, she said, have you seen Joss? He's our youngest one. I said, no, I haven't seen him. I thought he was with you. She said, I thought he was with you. <laughs> well, I don't know where he is then. So we looked around the house. He wasn't in the house. He was just over one. We'd lost him completely. So I, I said, oh, what, what, I wonder if we brought him in from the car. <laughs> so we went out and sure as, sure as eggs are eggs, he was sitting in the car, happy as Larry, just reading his book. Um, uh, we just left him in there. Anybody could have come along and just waved at him. He'd have just waved back. You know, he's quite laid back, really. But it does happen, doesn't it? And I, I'll tell you something else I did. I, I, I did get a call from the school a few years ago. Uh, they were actually locking up at the end of the day. Lindsay had left me with one responsibility that day. Don't forget to pick this child up from school. I said, don't worry, I won't forget. And uh, I, I think you pick him about quarter to three, don't you? Or quarter to four or whatever it is. At about half past five, they phoned me. They said, we just want to lock the doors. One, if you come and pick up. I can't even remember if it was a son or daughter. It's awful, isn't it? <laughs> you come and pick up your child. So I ran quickly to pick them up. They were very happy. They were reading books in the library or something. They, they really didn't worry. I, I think our children must be quite laid back, I'm not sure. Maybe they just know I'm an absent-minded father. But let's just revisit this story uh, this morning. The man has two sons. The younger son is frustrated by the boundaries in his life. Uh, His entire life points towards taking over his father's business. And uh, he doesn't seem very happy with that situation. It's like someone's mapped his life out for him and he doesn't want that to happen. The the older son seems quite happy with that. He's working on the farm, he's got good relationships with the farmhands, he's slogging, you know, every day, just doing the stuff, and this is how his life is mapped out, this is ultimately what will happen, and he's very happy for that to be uh, the case. Uh, but, But something stirred in the younger son, perhaps he hungered to be free from those boundaries, perhaps he wanted to be uh, the one who controlled his own destiny. And, uh, now, there's nothing unusual in that story. That story could be uh, retold probably in many families. You, you know, as perhaps parents hope that children will do certain things and someone goes off and does another thing. In, in all sorts of ways, that's a regular story. But then the story turns a corner and the, the younger son take his, takes his frustration to a, a different level. He says to his father, look, just give me my share of the inheritance now. It's coming to me anyway and... And what I'd like to do is I'd like to determine how I spend it, how it 
it shapes my life. I'd like to determine my own future. I'm very grateful, he's saying, for what you've done. I'm very grateful for the security you provided. I'm very grateful for my home uh, and the comfort that you've given me. But I want to be the one who determines how I live my life. And that must have broken his parents' heart at that point. Everything they'd worked for, the values they'd passed on, the wisdom that they'd shared, the love that they'd poured out, all seemed to have been tossed away in a moment of complete madness. And maybe the parents knew that this little fella really wasn't ready for the freedom of the world yet. They knew that with no boundaries, free from restraint and some cash in his pocket, he could well go very badly wrong. The amazing thing is, uh, is that they let him go. That is an extraordinary thing. I can't plumb the depths of that. I'm not quite sure how that works out. Maybe they had no choice. We don't know. But he goes off uh, and does his own thing. They watch him pack his suitcase and walk away from the security and love of a nurturing home that protected him and gave him life and offered him uh, a future. They let him go and let him loose into a world that didn't love him. They let him loose into a world that would gladly use him as long as he had something that was worth using. As long as he had money in his pockets, uh, good looks, and was able to be one of the in crowd, then he'd have plenty of friends and plenty of good times. And so it was for the first little while. He couldn't believe his luck. He travelled to those places his parents said he shouldn't travel to. He did those things his parents said he shouldn't do. Uh, He lived in a faraway country, away from disapproving eyes, away from anybody that would say you shouldn't do that sort of thing, away from any other type of counsel that might advise him. And he begins to live a life that's shallow in so many ways, but gives him what he's looking for uh, in life. Then the story takes another turn, and he finds that his freedom from boundaries that were there to provide safety in his life, actually what he's done is is he's constructed some other boundaries. Some boundaries that are are tied to and linked to the way in which he lives his life. He's he's on a track and can't get off it. I've got to fund my lifestyle. I've got to to fund my friends in this way. There's certain expectations on me. And I I found all of a sudden thinking I'd, I'd find the place where there are no boundaries as I've embrace this place where there are huge boundaries that others are putting on me. It seems that that's part of life. To make matters, and his friends, of course, uh, start running off as soon as um, uh, he is unable to uh, fund his lifestyle, his friends disappear. Then there's an economic recession, famine strikes, and he ends up working on a pig farm, which is a Dreadful irony for a good Jewish boy. Worse still, he finds himself so hungry that he has to eat the food that is destined for the pigs. This boy who'd eaten kosher food all his life ends up eating pig swill. The boy had run from one type of bondage, one type of boundary, and he'd created for himself another type, a type actually that in the end, where he thought there was going to be freedom, but he found that there was no freedom and no support. The fast lane that had seemed so attractive to him ultimately took him to a pigsty. And it's at that point he comes to his senses. It's at that point, with some sort of shock of recognition, he realises what he's done for himself and his family. He decides there and then to pull himself together, to go home and confess to his father 
that he sinned against God, he sinned against his family, he's no longer worthy to be called a son. He says, Dad, would you hire me? Would you hire me as one of your servants? Because at least then I know I'm going to get food. I don't have to eat what I give to the pigs. At least then I get a, a roof over my head. At least then there isn't this huge expectation on me. I can live life in a safe way. And it's here that I want to switch the story again. Because we've set the scene, but we haven't really brought the father into it yet. And today is Father's Day. And it's, it's the father that I think the story is all about. I think that Jesus is telling the story because we, like the younger son, have often abandoned the love and security and favour and friendship of God for what we think will be a better way of life. We've gone and sought after uh, something ourselves. We go off and find our own way of living. We say that we don't want our life to be dictated by the boundaries that there seem to be in the Christian life. We want to find our own way, be masters of our own destiny. And Jesus tells this story because if any of us read it, we'll see the Father stands as an example to us of how we as fathers should be. But it's also an incredible picture of the gracious love of our Heavenly Father for each uh, one of us. And I want to bring out just two things here on Father's Day. Number one is this. The Father never gives up. Here's my little team. I got a, I got a Father's Day card from my daughter this morning. My, my, my daughter in the middle. The others are probably doing them now. But my daughter in the middle. It's just reality, isn't it? You know. My daughter in the middle. Do you know what she sent me this morning? She didn't know I was using it. She's drawn this picture on a card. Isn't that nice of her? She's drawn the picture. She, she says, it's not a very good picture, but it, just think of the love that comes behind it. Bless her heart. The, the, number one, the father never gives up. It says in verse 20, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. He never gave up. He saw him at a distance. I, I imagine the father on a, on, a, on a balcony, just looking out day after day, longing for his son to return longing for him to come back. He probably waited and watched with a broken heart on a daily basis. He never gave up believing in what he had invested in his son. He never gave up knowing that there was something of his image, there was something of him in his child. And he was praying that that thing that was in his child would come alive. It's a gift that we as fathers can give to our families. Never give up. The gift of belief in who our children are. To believe in our wives and our families is a great gift. Our Heavenly Father does that also for us. He believes in us because he knows that somewhere within us is his image. Somewhere within every person that walks this earth is the image of God. And our Heavenly Father believes in them. And he longs for that image to come alive. He longs for that image to reconnect uh, with him. And he longs for us to respond to that image. So this father in this story spots this familiar figure in the distance. It's his son and he leaps to his feet. And he lifts his robe and he runs. And he greets his son and when he reaches him, 
Undeterred by the stench and filth of the journey, he embraces his son and kisses him and welcomes him home because he's been so, so missed. You know, about six weeks ago, it was the second anniversary of the day my little fellow Josiah fell from a balcony and for all intents and purposes uh, was dead. And, And many of you know that story and I won't bore you by retelling it again. But I remember him coming back. That's the thing. See, for a week he'd just been on machines. That anything that kept him alive. And on the Saturday night, they'd said that this was probably about as good as it would get. He probably wouldn't come back. And you guys were praying. And on the Sunday morning, my little Jess and I were there. And you guys were praying. And it had been just one of the most horrific nights for Linz and me. And with no warning whatsoever, he opened his eyes and he went, that's what he did. No warning. On the Saturday night, they'd said, this is probably as good as it gets. Just this little twitching body on a bed. They'd done brain scans to see was there any activity at all. And he came back. And you know, those were our words. He's back. He's back. He's come back again. The feeling of somebody coming back to you is the most amazing feeling. I can imagine in my heart and mind what this father in this story would have felt when his son came back. I can imagine in my heart what our heavenly father feels if we return to him. And this son in this story, he prepares a speech. Father, I'm sorry I've sinned against you. And the father sweeps him up and ignores the speech. It's like you're back. And you know, when our little fella, when he learned to talk again, we were in the hospital and this is what he said to Linz and me. He said, I'm sorry I climbed on that balcony. You know, we said... The balcony is irrelevant. That's like the past. That's gone. You're back. We can forget the past. And I think our Heavenly Father does that to us every time we come back. We come, we say, I'm sorry, I've, I've messed up in my life. Do you know our Heavenly Father just longs to sweep you up and go, you're back. It doesn't matter. My image that is alive in you is alive once more. Come, you're back. You're back with me. And the father here interrupts this young boy's speech. And he says, fetch a clean robe, bring the family signet ring, put sandals on his feet. No boy of mine can be dressed in ragged clothes and walk bare feet here. You see, the father never gave up believing in this boy. Whatever he'd done, he believed in him. Do you know, our Heavenly Father, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever the fault, he so believes in you. He so believes in you. And he wants you back. Second thing, second thing I see in this is that the Father offers a future. I think one of the most powerful images in this story is of when the Father embraces the Son. 
That was why I had that image up first on the PowerPoint, and there's another one at the end. But the father embracing the son. There's, there's no blame. There's no I told you so. There's no look at what you've done to your mother and me. There's no, do you realize we've had to sell fields to survive in this it, while you've been off? There's, there's none of this. There's just rather a belief in the future. There's no probationary period, no conditions attached, no recriminations. The father orders the servants, prepare a banquet, slaughter a calf, hire a band, invite the neighbors. This son of mine who was dead has been found alive and it's a public celebration. You know, we live in a world full of blame, don't we? We live in a world that says it's his fault or her fault. I'm sure it never happens in your home, but in any home where there might be the smidgen of a disagreement, it's always the other person's fault, isn't it? The government blamed the previous government, and they blamed the government before that. Everybody blames somebody else, because it's never my fault. We live in such a blame culture. You know, the father doesn't blame, he just offers this incredible gift of grace. You see, Jesus tells this story as a story of the picture of God. Like the father in the story is, offers astonishing grace to his young son. Our heavenly father wants to offer astonishing grace to you and to me. He's a God of incredible patience and enormous compassion. He's the God who's eager to forgive. He is a God who's so busy preparing welcome home banquets that he doesn't have time to apportion blame. He just wants to say, come. Come and be with me. And to the fathers who are here today, I want to say, you know, that you, like me, we're to be like our Heavenly Father. His image is in us. And we're to create, recreate that image in our homes. We're to celebrate those around us with astonishing grace. We're not to apportion blame. We're to enjoy who they are. We're to have infinite patience. We're to be someone who's full of compassion and always eager to forgive. Someone who believes in a future, not someone who digs in the past. But there's another son in this story, isn't there? And that's the oldest son. And the oldest son is the one who'd stayed at home, who'd, who'd in a sense, uh, settled on his lifestyle, on his future. He'd been settled with what was coming uh, his way. And when he hears about the party, he says, I'm not coming in. What have you ever done for me? He turns out to be this sour-faced party pooper. But even to him, the father goes out and says, no, no, come on, son. Come in. Come in. Do you know you're so welcome in this place? He doesn't, the father doesn't lay blame or get cross. He says, look, if if you want a fattened calf, you can have it any week you like. Everything I've got is yours. I, I just want you. I just believe in you. I want your future to be safe in the boundaries of this place. 
So I guess I just want to say two things today. Firstly, if you're a father, never give up. Believe in those around you. In your children, wherever they are, whatever age they are. And in your wife. And in your friends. And in your extended family. It is a gift that you can give to them. And secondly, be someone of incredible grace. Be someone who throws parties for their family and friends. Someone who celebrates those around you. In so doing, you'll be reflecting our Heavenly Father's love for you. Because our Heavenly Father will never give up on you. Our Heavenly Father believes in you. Our Heavenly Father abounds in grace and longs to throw a party for you. Maybe you have already given your life and received the embrace of your Father. Maybe you've said yes to Christ in your life. And in so doing, you've received that embrace. But just maybe, just maybe, hey, that you've done that once and then you've just wandered off your own way. You've said, look, I'll take my inheritance. I'm safe now. My life insurance policy is there. No. I'm, I, I'm a Christian. Now I'll just wander off and do my own thing. And the father would say, no, no, come back. I am standing with arms open wide. My eyes look out for you all the time, longing for your return. Or maybe you're someone who doesn't even realize that the father is there and you've wandered off and you've, you've never really looked back and You've never realized that this image of God that's in you, this thing that speaks to you of a sense of a knowledge somewhere, of something else, a a, a spiritual something, a connection somewhere, something that says there's probably more, that that's your Heavenly Father. That's your Heavenly Father that calls out to you. And he says, turn, would you? Turn and come to me, because if you would just step to me, he says, I've got arms that would embrace you. I want to put the shoes of freedom on your feet. I want to put the, the, the family signet ring on your finger to say, yeah, this is who you are. I want to put a cloak around you to protect you and hold you. And the invitation is open to anybody from our Heavenly Father. And do you know what I want to do this morning as we celebrate Father's Day? Is I want to give each of us that invitation to respond to our Heavenly Father's invitation to come to Him and to know His love for us. Is that okay? Would you stand with me? Now this is the thing. In a few minutes there are some children going to come in and we've got some little gifts for the fathers. But before they come in, you have an opportunity to take a life-changing moment. You have an opportunity to respond to your Heavenly Father's love. Maybe this morning you just don't feel loved by God. It feels like he's a distant father. I want to invite this morning anybody who wants to respond. One... I I know I'm a Christian, but I've probably wandered away. Two, I I don't even think I am a Christian, but you know, I'd 
I'd love to know a bit more of this. Maybe give my life to Christ today, but if not, just to receive someone to pray something over me, to make that image even more alive. Or three, just to help me in my own life to walk the way of the family, that the Father would look on me with proud eyes. So we just gotta, we're going to um, sing. And while we sing, I want to invite those who would like that just to come on out the front. You have to come quite quickly. Would you do that? Just come and respond.